and welcome to the 15th episode of Total Pod Mode, your weekly gaming podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, also known as Mr. Bames. What's going on, you wondrously wily wolves? How's it going today, James? Good to be here. Glad to be sharing another episode with you. Much better than last week, man. I think I've overcome the dragon rot. Feeling much better. Hopefully it's sounding much start. better. Very, very much more positive place. Hopefully a little bit more energy, although we'll see. <laughs> you might tail off. Yeah, and also conscious that you've got the football going on in the background here. So if there's any sudden screaming or chanting, it's going to be uh, <laughs> pretty obvious who just scored. Yeah, for everyone's benefit, England are currently playing the United States of America in the World Cup. So, you know, I guess apologies or congratulations to our American viewers, depending on how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> I will still be right here for all of the topics that we're going to discuss today. Do not worry about that, sir. How about you, man? Are you feeling any better? I'm still feeling a little bit residually dragon rotty, but, you know, for the most part recovered. It feels kind of like a lingering cold as opposed to the full dragon rot experience that we had last week. Anything's better than that, even though we got, even though I feel we got through it admirably, I've got to say. Uh, before we get on to our catch-up, we might as well... <laughs> I love that. We might as well do that. We might as well do this. Yeah, I know. I, I tried to avoid saying that, yeah. Before we get onto the catch-up, let's get through... Let's get through. <laughs> Michael, what is happening? That's worse. God damn it! Let's, let's get these, through these socials the, out of the way. Before get these we, socials out of the way. Then we can God actually talk talking properly. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't know why I always shout out a Twitch channel that I never use but anyway it was <laughs> you can as always find the podcast on spotify apple podcasts and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for total pod mode we also post regular video content of our playthroughs stream highlights as well as the podcast on our youtube channel total pod mode and you can also find us on twitter by searching for at total pod mode all one word or you can find me at hoodafunk on twitter and i'm also on twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk and watch you can also find me on twitter at mr bames and i'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash mrbames underscore tpm. With all that said, James, let's move on to the catch up. Catch up, baby! Okay, James, well, since I've been busy with the challenge this week, why don't you kick off the catch up? No problem, man. So, World Cup aside, because I have been keeping up with most of the games, I'm not going to lie. I was actually true to my word from what I said last week. I mainly played Sekiro this week. Okay, okay, yeah. That's good. To, that's a good sign, certainly, that you enjoyed the challenge, that you're back on the same game this week. Well, man, it was. Uh, I was in the zone. I was really enjoying the game, and honestly, the sure ending's very short in comparison to the rest of it, because, you know, to... Yeah, to yeah. Get it out of the way nice and early. I did manage to do all bosses. I completed everything. Like I've done only one ending, so there's still two more endings I need to do. But yeah, man, great fun. Uh, it just continued in the same vein. Very satisfying boss fights. The final area of the game that I hadn't explored, the Fountainhead Palace, is beautiful. Like When you first arrive, you fight the corrupted monk again, but it's the true corrupted monk. So instead of the one health bar and the sort of spirit apparition-y type look it had before, it's three health bars and it's actually her physical form. Okay, okay. It was a pretty tough fight much tougher than the fight down in mibu village that i had to do as part of the sure ending but once you beat her you walk through a gate and you're just this whole sprawling landscape of wonder is just in front of you it's like it's almost like <laughs> a you're beautiful on top of a vista no it really is i think i even yeah. said that i was like oh, what a beautiful vista but no literally it's like you're on top of a waterfall and you like you hook shot across some bits and you end up in this lovely lake looking area it's just like so wonderful and it was a really fun level and a good place to actually grind experience because the enemies are quite easy to kill and they give you sort of 500 skill points a pot which right, is pretty okay. good going probably more if you bust one of those balloons that gives you a few extra XP points oh man I sold all of those 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because because uh, I was sort of spending a lot of money on uh, when you get to a certain point in the game, you unlock a an it- a key item that increases the inventory of merchants, mm, and you can yes, buy things yeah. like divine confetti and resource materials that you can upgrade your prosthetics. I was spending a lot of money on things like that, and also just general things like pellets occasionally. And I had to buy some fistful of ashes mm. for the corrupted monk fight that I've just mentioned because I sold them all in the previous area of the game, and it was actually quite handy because I didn't have enough spirit emblems to do fire crackers for phase three man playing with prosthetics is so much easier honestly yeah um, oh yeah man, of course oh, absolutely like, my yeah. god it makes life so much easier <laughs> the freedom that you experience now so other than the firecrackers did you have any particular favorite prosthetics yes i did the um the umbrella was excellent oh the umbrella that deflects bullets it kind of shields you from it yeah yeah it's really cool it stores the energy of the hit that you've just taken and with a certain skill that you can unlock on the skill tree you can then press r1 and it will take the energy that it's stored and attack the opponent again with it okay so it's oh, kind wow, of like okay. a, a funky counter attack i never got into the offensive capabilities oh, dude. of the, yeah. the bulletproof parasol well it's quite a late skill to unlock in the line right so maybe that you didn't get to it but yeah, and obviously in my shura run i never unlocked the prosthetic skill tree because i never went to hirata estate which is, i believe where you get it mm, could be wrong mm. though because i already had it when i started this file again but man yeah so i wouldn't have been able to do the final boss as easily as i did without that like that was a key component of me fighting ishi and sword saying at the end but now nah, the firecrackers mainly and the shurikens were quite useful for killing dogs i had like the gouging shurikens or something where so if you hold it and chuck it it sort of hits them and then keep spinning on them for a bit so if it's something like a dog with no posture even if it's a high level dog it's just going to kill it and if yeah. it's an enemy it may block the first bit but then it stays there and attacks the posture for a little bit so very very mm. handy indeed did you make much use out of the axe i didn't use it once ah so how do you typically take on the guys with the shields then they're so uncommon in the game that you don't need to worry <laughs> yeah yeah that they're is literally true, only in harata estate that I can remember. Maybe one other big guy or something with a shield. There's also this, the little guys, their hats act as shields sometimes as well. You can use the axe to cut their hats in half. Oh, I didn't know that, but I very rarely fought them head on. I typically would sneak up on those guys because they're quite yeah. tough, probably because I wasn't using yeah. the shield right. the axe to break <laughs> their hat. But, but yeah, no. Yeah, they become a joke if you do use that. It's, it's kind of, it's one of those things, it's very specific purposes. And also the fact that you can't be interrupted while you use it if you unlock the second follow-up move to smacking yeah. the axe down the first time. So it's very good for kind of just powering through an enemy and just tanking any damage if you know you're going to get the win. Yeah, I remember you saying that a lot in the challenge and uh, yeah, that's just something I never ever felt the need to do in this game, to be honest. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't think I played it 100% properly on all bosses there was a lot of baiting them into a certain move that i could then exploit and then running away and baiting them into the move again hey there's no proper way to do it if you beat it you did it props to you man but yeah it was very very fun can't say that anything challenged me as much as genichiro ashina did that in that first fight that i mentioned last week mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. the final boss i I did probably within 10, 12 goes, maybe about 10, actually, maybe not even 12. The one that I was kind of worried was going to be a really tough fight was the um, Demon of Hatred, and it was fine. It really was. You just had to get behind it and avoid its big attacks. It's really not that bad. So yeah, very, very fun. Actually carried on into New Game Plus a little bit, specifically to kick Tutorial Genichiro's ass for how much grief he gave me. <laughs> Shinobi know the difference between honor and victory. And I did, I did. Um, obviously, you still lose your harm and it doesn't change the game at all. But the satisfaction of me beating that little bastard. I bet, was, yeah, absolutely. It was very, very cool. It sounds like you've absolutely kind of 
you know, exhausted everything that uh, you set out to achieve in this game. And it sounds like you've had an absolute blast doing it. I'm just really pleased that you enjoyed the challenge enough to actually go back to this one. Yeah, no, it was, um, as as you know, my sort of mantra is you've never actually finished a FromSoft game until you've done an all-boss run. That is, you have to have beaten all the bosses to say you've truly completed it. And sure, the sure ending meant that I could officially say I've completed Sekiro, but not to me. To me, I needed to go and finish it. And... <laughs> oh, I think that, yeah, the sh- saying that you've completed Sekiro by getting the sure ending is a bit of a stretch to yeah. say. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you miss out on so much content. Yeah, it's crazy. So much, yeah, yeah. Like, you cut the game in half, pretty much, right? I think now that I've played it, I can say with some confidence that you probably lose at the very least a third of the game. Mm, Maybe not quite mm, half, mm. depending on how much you can get. Like if I'd done sure ending, but I'd engaged with the Harata estate, I would say it's probably you lose about a third. Right, but because okay. of what I did, where I didn't engage with Harata estate and I did the bare minimum, I, I didn't fight many mini bosses, I'd say that I probably got an extra half of the game. So it kind of depends on your sure run. But, but yeah, yeah, man, yeah. excellent. Can't recommend it enough. And that now means that I can now officially say that with the exception of Demon Souls, which I can't play because I haven't got a PS5, I have now completed every single FromSoft game of this sort of era. All bosses, good times. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. You've got a PS3, right, don't you? I've got a PS4. Ah, f- Okay. Yeah, so I, so I can't even play the old version, yeah. Yeah, I could ship you my copy of Demon's Souls yeah. if you wanted to. <laughs> I've got a PS3 to go with it, you know. Hey, challenge? <laughs> that'd be an interesting challenge, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that'd be a cool one. But no, so that was sort of mainly what I was doing. I did play a little bit of Pokemon this week but generation one not one of the new ones i do have Mm, reasons mm. for that and not the reasons that we're going to talk about a little later (laughs) it's sort of a tradition for me that i'll my birthday's around christmas and i sort of buy myself the pokemon game for it's my birthday slash christmas and i play it over the christmas break um Mm, so much though i really want to be playing it um and i'm showing incredible restraint in my opinion not to be playing it that's that's why i've been playing generation one really because it scratches that pokemon itch without ruining my tradition so what game did you play play fire red leaf green or did you oh, actually go back to the classics no, i'm playing pokemon blue old school like oh, legit right, gen okay. one proper like great fun bit of nostalgia but uh it is really just sort of scratching that itch for the next three four weeks before i start playing pokemon violet which is the one i bought that's the thing i've got it i own it it's installed on my switch but uh not just yet Saving it for Christmas. Exactly, exactly. How about you, man? What, what have you been up to this week? I'm go- Not that I f***ing need to guess, really, because uh, the last three <laughs> weeks uh, have been similar. So have you continued in that yeah, vein? Yeah, i got to say, the trend is continuing. I am still playing Call of Duty. Fourth week in a row. Uh, I've been investing a little bit more time this week into the DMZ mode, which is separate from the Warzone co-op and multiplayer modes. It's kind of, it pitches you back onto the Warzone map, but it populates the map with AI-controlled enemies, as well as other player enemies and it's essentially sort of a resource gathering game where your intention is to join the battlefield scout a load of supplies and things to take back with you you can find new weapons and equipment to use and take back and then extract back to the safe zone uh before the time is up much like the dark zone in the division yeah yeah it is a similar concept absolutely and people who have played games like escape from tarkov will be very familiar with that sort of same concept as well and you can kind of play it how you want 
you do have the option of playing it stealthily with silencers once you've sort of managed to get enough equipment and resources to be able to enable yourself to go in with the suppressor. But initially, you just start off with a fairly basic set of weapons uh, that are considered contraband weapons. And when I say that, I mean that if you carry them into the war zone and you die while you're in there, uh, you're unable to sort of retrieve those again. And you get around that by having reserved weapon slots. And in that slot, you can choose a weapon, specify the attachments you want, and that weapon will then be insured for you to carry into the war zone, which means that if you do die, you're always able to get the gun back. But it does start a cooldown timer on the gun, which means that you will have to wait a certain amount of time or play a certain amount of games to work down the timer before you can bring that same gun into the arena again. Has to be a catch. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that kind of encourages you to occasionally bring contraband weapons back out of the war zone just to keep a healthy stock of things on the back burner, but then also to save up resources and currency to unlock more of these insurance slots because you can uh, you can do that and have multiple slots. You just start off with just the one. Sounds interesting. Sounds sort of like an interesting sort of not quite RPG take on it, but like you say, resource gathering, very different style to a Battle Royale, for example, or the campaign mode. Yeah, I've been finding things like comic books and pictures of cats and random household right. items, toothpaste and things like that. And they all have a sort of assigned currency value that you take back with you and you earn more experience depending on how much you're able to take back. And it does have an inventory system with a backpack that you can sort of store a certain amount of items in. So it's not just a case of, you know, filling up on hundreds and hundreds of items. You do have to consider what you're going to take back and what you have space for. You also have the shield system, which is actually expanded now from the previous one. I think in the last game, you could only just have a maximum of three shields and everyone had that base level of free armor plates that they could equip. But you start off with two stack of armor plates initially, and you can actually find increased capacity armor plate vests okay. that will allow you to stack more whereas uh, that sort of wasn't a, uh, a thing so much in the previous games I don't think everyone just had the same this is now uh, a case where you can encounter players who have potentially more or less overall health than you uh, right. which is okay. an interesting mechanic in this one as well so there it does place a lot more importance on resource scavenging or at the very least uh, getting into firefights early on so that you can get some of the better loot dropping from players that you've defeated oh fair so that is a lot more like apex then yeah 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 and i appreciate that and i'm very much enjoying sort of working my way across the map fighting the ai players and the proximity chat is really assisting with speaking with other players and actually i've even had a couple occasions where i've sort of negotiated ceasefires and we've had agreements to sort of not shoot each other and let each other extract and like that, <laughs> which is actually quite refreshing from a, a perspective of toxic call of duty lobbies that it's kind of quite well known for it's in kind of encouraging a bit more of the interaction between the players in ways that aren't just toxic and negative you can actually also sort of support each other and uh i think the proximity chat really helps with that but other than that man it's been a pretty slow week for me that's about all i've uh, managed to play so with that why don't we move on to the gaming news okay so on with our first article of the day the launch of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is off to a bit of a rocky start following issues with performance, bugs and glitches. Quite a few players are currently unhappy with the state of the game. Bugs and glitches involving body horror contorting NPCs floating through the middle of conversations or battles, Pokeballs freezing in midair due to performance issues, players falling through the world floor, and the list goes on. <laughs> 
it seems to be one of those situations where this could very much be one of those ones where there is so many eyes on this game and they are picking up every single bug and there does seem to be a social media trend of jumping on games like this and pointing out all the bugs in them. However, I will say that a lot of these issues do seem to be much more the sort of thing that should have been picked up in quality assurance processes on this. There's some pretty basic flaws here, like the fact that if you connect two controllers to the console and press forward, it doubles your player movement speed. An issue like that is something that should have been picked up in quality assurance and is just like a basic thing where there is always a cap to the amount of input and they have just forgot to put that cap in place so that when you push the controller forward you're getting a plus two which just shouldn't be possible in the game and it's just these standard sort of procedures that they should have caught if this was a team that uh really knew what they were doing Oof, i do think the strong. game that's real yeah strong. well i don't think so i don't think so i think that game freak is the sort of company where they are running on old concepts and injecting sort of very few new things into a game Oof, and as the games are becoming disagree. more strongly disagree you cannot look <laughs> i'm sorry we'll get into this more and i will let you finish your point but you cannot say look at this pokemon it's a game and say they haven't introduced new concepts that's bullshit no I, I honestly don't think that they have because the concepts that they are introducing they have absolutely failed to deliver things like an open world environment where you're able to explore every gym in a game that there's no such thing as pokemon scaling in the game and you're ending up with a game that you'll essentially beat one gym and if you do it in the wrong sequence the rest of the game is going to be a walkthrough and you're going to be one hitting pokemon because you're suddenly level 60 and you're beating a gym that's level 20 you mean like the rest of the pokemon series yeah well this is the problem is so they're not introducing a new concept they're trying to do something and absolutely failing in it so it's actually nothing new about this game and all they're doing really is stripping back content that was previously in other games things like player customization and although i do understand the reasons for it in terms of the fact that it's a school they have massively reduced the amount of player customization they've massively downgraded the graphics in comparison to the latest pokemon release nah, sorry what are you talking about you've you've played arceus yourself and you're saying that it looks better than that or even comparable to that it looks awful well, first things dude. first i haven't played it yet so i can't say full judgment from what i've seen it looks the same as you're arceus. gonna be eating your words on that dude oh. no from what <laughs> from the screenshots i've seen it looks the same same as Arceus, not worse. I think it. I, oh know. wow! And this is going to be real interesting. But I got a. Yeah. This is a hard disagree. Have you played here, it? Dude. I have. Haven't played it, but yes. I've seen screenshots of both, and it's easily comparable. You can just yeah, comparable. Exactly. You're Arceus. saying it's worse. I'm saying it's not. It's comparable. No, no, no. It's easily comparable. The Arceus is much, much better. Nah. In the gameplay and screenshots not that from I've, what seen, I've seen, man, the Arceus graphics are way better. Even just things like the small items, like the trees and the environment and stuff like that, Arceus easily leads on. But when you look at the environment and the way that they've repeated textures, there's literally mountains in Scarlet and Violet where the repeated texture is about a meter square so you can see like circle 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 going up mountains and things like that and Arceus although it did have that was on a much better level of detail than that repeating textures in Scarlet and Violet just look awful well I'll have to let you know when I've played it but from... you will yeah but I, uh, I'm yeah. sorry I disagree with a lot of that fair play on the customization I don't think there's anything on the player character it's the clothes really where it's lacking I think because you have to wear some sort of school uniform for the academy thing. Not a big deal to me, but I do understand how that's annoying, considering that Arceus had quite a lot of outfit customization in it, and also Pokemon Sword and Shield, which is the last generation, also did as well. In terms of the Pokemon graphics that I've seen, I don't think it's any worse than Arceus, so that's just maybe my mind will change when I actually get into the game itself, but the screenshots I've seen don't think it's any different. i got to say, I'm speaking much more about the environments as opposed to the Pokemon themselves. What I've seen of the Pokemon, I would say that that looks pretty much indiscernible differences to me. But the environments themselves look 
far superior Narcius from every single screenshot that I've seen. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that then, mate. Maybe you've seen more screenshots than I have, but the ones I've seen look the same, basically. I don't think they look better, don't get me wrong, but they don't they don't look worse than Arceus to me. I'm going to send you some shots after this. <laughs> Please <laughs> don't. I don't want to know because I want to actually play it. I'm trying to keep myself from okay. too much. This right, is probably why enough. I'm yeah. having this uh, conversation <laughs> with you right now. But no, nah, man, the, about the only thing I will agree with you on is uh, that you've implied there that the game has been rushed. And I totally agree with that. I think the fact that Arceus came out earlier this year, this is now coming out as the annual release. And probably the reason why there's so many of these things that you would have thought would have been picked up in the QA would have been picked up had the game not tried to rush it out for the Christmas holidays, basically. Like, clearly, it's not even well hidden but rushing out a game and missing basic qa measures i think that that's kind of it implies two different things one implies an incompetent design team and like game implementation team and the other one is a team that's under massive pressure to release a game i feel like failing the basic qa things that should have been picked up in any sort of bug checking is a completely different matter to rushing a game that has bugs in it like it's it's two different things i think Uh. one is your basics that you should just be on and one is like oh this is now going to be lacking content or it's going to have bugs like the things like player rigging doing sort of crazy contortions through the map and things yeah like no that. i'm not that's... gonna i'm not gonna defend that shit. that 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 <laughs> it's hilarious and it's not game breaking but that's not good i just truly think that game freak at this point are you know they have the money and they're not employing they the right staff at this the point money because they it's the richest franchise in the world i think this just shows signs of incompetence in my eyes no, i disagree on that point i think they're employing the right people i just don't think they're giving them the time i really do you, you it is their first foray into an open world game like this so there's obviously going to be teething errors with that and you know not going to defend that it should have been more polished absolutely it had the budget to do so but on the flip side you see a lot of people moaning about these glitches frame rate drops things of that nature which i can't defend like they shouldn't be there but at the same time i've seen way more and trust me i've done a lot of research on this because i wanted to look at it before i bought it right i see a lot more people saying that it's really not that bad and people are just blowing out of proportion who are actually having great fun with the game and very 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 big trick streamer small ant who's famous for speed runs but also plays pokemon quite a lot i think put it best to me when he said um and i hope i'm not misquoting but i'm pretty sure i saw the tweet say um that it's definitely rushed could they have done a lot better yes but it's the most fun he's ever had playing a pokemon game i think the concepts they have added in with the open world stuff it kind of is like arceus in the sense that there's pokemon walking around the open world you you battle them in that in sort of a over the top 3d manner as opposed to the screen goes to black and then you get into a battle sequence where you're behind your sprite like in some of the older ones and i think some of the concepts that they have introduced with um, how you traverse about the open world on your legendary Pokemon the fact that it's got four player multiplayer now which is pretty damn cool um, I think that's really good do I think they could have done a better job with the whole gym scaling thing because they kind of advertised it as go anywhere you want when you want maybe it was more of an outright lie than <laughs> thing. They, they did say it like it was actually going to be a functioning thing and yeah. there's even suggestions in the game dialogue that scaling was considered at one point but it's never actually been implemented yeah that's I, I don't think that's a big deal personally because I think that if you're not training your Pokemon up to plus five, plus ten levels over the area you're in before you're moving on, then you're not doing it right. You shouldn't want to move on until you're a lot stronger, in my opinion. But I do get it. People do just want to get to the next bit. You might make a wrong turning. Like, I, I get that. But it was the same in Sword and Shield, right? And no one seemed to bat an eyelid there. Sword and Shield did block your progress, typically, though, to get to a lot of the gyms early on. In the same way that this one's doing. But the game doesn't because you are allowed to go to any gym in any sequence. Yeah, but you can do that in Sword and Shield, too. You just won't get there because the wild Pokemon... And then 
But Sword and Shield doesn't, the paths are just straight up blocked in a lot of these gyms before you just can't move on. No, nah, you just won't be able to get into the gym somehow. You can get to the towns and stuff though, typically, but you just won't be able to because a level 50 Pokemon will run at you and it will kill your whole team. In Sword and Shield Sword is this? Because yeah. I, that's really weird because I just recall, at least for the first few gyms, I couldn't even progress to the next town until I'd beaten that gym leader. There was like a dude standing in the way and saying, oh, you can't do this. Yeah, certain points, yes. But yeah. in terms of in the open world bit that you first get to, you can go mm. essentially anywhere, but you will just get killed by the high level Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I uh, so in that, that, so in that yeah. respect, it's the same. It sounds to me like, and again, not played it, so I don't know, but it sounds to me like in Violet and Scarlet, if you get to the other gym, then great, you can get there and life's good. You just won't beat it because you're not high enough level. I think that that's not so much of an issue as the fact that if you beat a gym at a level and you've missed out on a prior gym, then you'll go back there and have a very lackluster fight because of the fact that you are now massively overpowered for that gym because you've beaten several gyms ahead of it. And it would be essentially the same as something like in Elden Ring going back to the very start of the game and polishing off the bosses that you hadn't taken on there in one hit sort of thing. It's just a very meh moment when you're one-hitting everything and you don't need to particularly worry about levels or anything like that. Yeah, but that's the same as if you overlevel in Pokemon by grinding. It's absolutely no different. So that's why I don't understand why people are making such a fuss about it. Because I suppose you have to consciously grind, whereas you don't have to consciously miss a gym in this game you can just take a route to go to a gym if you're taking the time to consciously grind you're making that choice to be overpowered if you accidentally miss a gym and then return to it and you find out that actually it's a level 15 gym and you're level 30 then well f you this is a really boring gym fight if you use your full level pokemon yeah if you use it as an opportunity to train your weaker pokemon then no not at all it depends how you set the challenge out it's about play style i, I, I yeah, appreciate exactly. it's, it's not ideal game design but i don't think the game design's at fault there i think people that get there and use their full strength team are going to say yeah it's piece of piss it's like use some weaker pokemon then i i, I don't know i think we've got different uh, ideas of uh faulty game design there but if you're like missing content and then saying you can progress straight through without any scaling i would say it's the same my same criticism of elden ring as well is the fact that these enemies don't scale at the end uh, well i didn't think that was an issue yeah. in elden ring either <laughs> um so i mean i definitely do agree that a lot of this is down to the fact that a lot of people are focusing in on this game and we're going to be seeing a lot of bug reports and a lot of people are essentially uh q way testing this game as we speak it feels yeah. like given the rushed release of this and i do think that a lot of the performance issues and bugs and things like that will be fixed i do think that ultimately this is going to be a successful follow-up title it already is in terms of the numbers that it's already sold it's say, broken records again people can complain all they want look it's really high selling but that's the thing is i don't think that that's a particularly good perspective to go into is just because the fact that it's selling numbers like that's excusable sort of thing i think that that's kind of a bad future for the gaming market if we're focusing purely on the numbers it's i want a lot more effort put into these games and this just seems like it's basically pushing the idea that games can come out as buggy messes with game breaking issues and people just lap it up because it's got a pokemon tag sticked on it i don't think there's any game breaking issues man nothing that you've described is game breaking they're talking about falling through the map and being able to get into areas of the map that the game will not let you teleport back into like people are actually getting outside of the map by accident i've not seen that fair enough if that's true yeah. Then yeah that's fair i've not seen that i've seen people like fall through the map briefly and then come back and all's good but i've not seen it where you actually permanent there is a litany of issues with this game and admittedly i'm a pokemon fan right 
so I'm possibly seeing this through some sort of roast-tinted specs, but I do think a lot of the criticism this game's getting is just people being a bit butthurt, honestly. This, for me, is the reason why I would never get into Pokemon to that degree, I think, is that I just don't see this ever progressing to the point that it's going to garner my interest. Yeah. It's relying on nostalgia at this point, unquestionably. Yeah. When I've played it, I'll be able to give a more concise argument, but on the face yeah. of it, I, I don't agree with you, but that's fine. <laughs> we don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. Okay, uh, I think we've pretty much talked that issue to the bone. Let's move on to our second article of the day. Earlier this week, news appeared that the upcoming sci-fi horror title, Callisto Protocol, will have additional player death and enemy kill animations included with the upcoming DLC. In response to this news, director of the Callisto Protocol, Glenn Schofield, has said that the team is not holding anything back from the game, in an attempt to clear up any confusion fans may have had about the season pass. Uh, when I heard about this earlier on in the week, this really kind of killed some of my excitement for the game, although that does sound like that article was somewhat misleading, in the sense that uh, he has actually clarified that that these were animations that weren't intended to be in the original game. Is it implied that the certain modes would also be behind the paywall as well? Yeah, so there's like a there's like an extra hard mode uh, sort of DLC thing, which isn't uncommon, to be honest with you, in modern games. There's quite a few games where they've released DLCs that include an extra brutal mode. The game store pages show there will be a season pass for the Callisto Protocol, which will be available for those who purchase the digital deluxe edition. This extra content will feature story DLC and new game modes and skins. One thing that has caught people people's attention is the addition of 25 new death animations via the season pass. However, some fans have expressed concern that the developer Striking Distance Studios is withholding some of this content from the main game in order to release it for the season pass, which has prompted the director to try and clear some things up. Glenn goes on to tweet, To be clear, we're not holding anything back from the main game for the season pass. We haven't even started work on this content yet. It's all new stuff that we'll be working on in the new year. Fans have asked for even more deaths, so we're making it a priority next year. I, I smell a little bit of bullshit. There's a slight whiff of it in the air, I think. I mean, I heard that actually, uh, on, on doing a bit of reading on this, it did sound like some of these animations were sort of actually pre-prepared and they just weren't submitted in time for a certain deadline. So they were then sort of held back essentially and not yet approved for the game. And it sounds like some of those have crept their way into here. So it sounds like it's a bit questionable just how much they were working on this content and just how much of this content was kind of basically next to ready before release. And they're now sort of adding it in behind here. I mean, based on that, it sounds like it's for fallen into their lap that they can then sell this as additional content right some stuff that was meant to be in the original release didn't quite make a deadline but then they're like oh just still good we may as well try and sell it to the people it's very fishy very fishy indeed i think provided that the story dlc and things like that is actually new content that they haven't yet worked on which i think is very likely i'm thinking that the animations and things it's kind of one of those ones or would you prefer that they didn't include it in the new content if they did have it kind of ready to go but it wasn't by the deadline if they couldn't have actually put it into the game as long as they're not sort of holding that back and justifying that for the DLC. I think that the main thing here is that the focus here should be on the story DLC, new game modes and skins. And I think the death animations both for the player and for the enemy are probably as a byproduct of some of this extra content as well. It is slightly concerning that they're actually using it on their Steam page as a selling point for it and that's obviously why it's attracting a lot of the criticism here. And I think that's probably the crux of it. It sounds like it might just be poor marketing rather than anything too <laughs> outrageous because if they're just saying, yeah, we're releasing some story DLC at some point with the season pass and said story DLC then happens to have new death animations in it. I don't think anyone bats an eyelid, right? I think that's pretty fair. Right. Because yeah. you have new environments. You expect it you... almost. You'd be disappointed, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I want new cool ways to die. Exactly. There's new environments, <laughs> potentially new weapons that might be DLC exclusive that could have new animations. Like, fair play. 
I think it's probably you've hit the nail on the head when you say it's probably the fact they've advertised it as like 25 new death animations is like why are they not in the original one I, I think that it's kind of one of those cases that people made a big big deal out of the dead space death animations that was a you know a yeah. big thing about the game in all the different gruesome grisly ways that you could die and because people were looking forward to sort of seeing the equivalent of that in Callisto Protocol I think that immediately people are picking up on that stuff and thinking you know going into absolute panic mode and thinking oh my god I'm gonna have to pay to buy the DLC to see all the different cool ways my protagonist can get mutilated yeah. sort of thing yeah. and when you market so, it like that that's that's obviously a problem right but as we've said if it's a story DLC that just happens to have more death animations you kind of expect that right what happens then if you don't have these death animations do you just basically just t-pose the entire time while like viscera squirts around you and then you just fall on the floor or something <laughs> maybe like in pokemon and scarlet and violet maybe your guy just disappears into thin air it just falls through the world <laughs> yeah, exactly, jesus yeah. christ yeah and no, I, I like the kind of the body horror sort of thing where the model rigging just absolutely loses its shit. Yeah. Head starts 360 degreeing, like waking up in Skyrim. Yeah, well, the back goes at 90 degrees and then, like, you're still walking <laughs> along normally. Yeah, yeah, jeez. So, on to Article 3 of the day. The Witcher 3 is getting a free upgrade for everyone who already owns the game. Damn, I look old. CD Projekt Red finally revealed everything that will be included in The Witcher 3's new gen update and even showed off a bit of it in action for the trailer. Ooh. So James, uh, this is probably not the best timing for you. You have kind of fairly recently just completed The Witcher, so I doubt that this will be luring you back to it anytime soon, although I could be mistaken. I do know that you're a big fan of the series. I mean, it was seven months ago at this point, to be fair. I know, but I'm just cognizant of the uh, the emphasis you were putting previously on giving it enough time for it to sort of leave your mind before you delve back into it again. 100% that, and also I actually want to play The Witcher 2 first, because I've never played yeah. through all of that, and I don't think I could play The Witcher 3 again and then play The Witcher 2 straight away, because of the differences in the way it plays um so yeah it's kind of could this have come at the end of last year instead yeah that would have been great then i would have played the whole thing in lovely new next gen graphics um because the trailer looks lovely won't lie maybe it doesn't look as good as i was expecting but then again what was i really expecting them to do too much i don't know yeah i mean without this being like an entire retexture yeah like projects and things like that i don't really see for people particularly on pc with sort of mid-tier pc as i don't really see what benefit they'll receive from this no for sure it does feel more like it's a console upgrade more so than anything else because i believe i believe yeah. the consoles are now getting the graphics sliders and things of that nature but there's going to be some nice new lighting in there probably make use of the pc's hardware for ray tracing and things like that i mean i never really saw any issues with that on my pc i thought it looked great but hey if it looks better i'm here for it i'm interested to see more of the over the shoulder camera and photo mode on pc particularly the the over the shoulder camera aspect of that it sounds like you'll it will just pull in the camera similar to how you walk around buildings i assume because it's tends to the camera tends to pull back when you leave buildings and then i assume it, it just basically replicates the same thing as just holding the sort of the zoom in button this new camera mode yeah i mean that that bit is i don't really i don't see the appeal of it personally but i'm sure it'll look cool and as we sort of said with the call of duty over the shoulder mode that you mentioned last week i think some people will prefer to play it that way so for those people it's excellent just because it's not my cup of tea maybe i mean i, I can't say I, I can't really imagine it if i'm honest with you sounds to me like it's yeah. going to be more like um almost like a chivalry style view when you go into oh that'd be interesting yeah, the, yeah. Um, third person on that but yeah i mean to me that that's not how i'd like to play it 
in my mind, but without seeing it in action, who knows? I think that the uh, the other thing that intrigues me about here is the quest line for acquiring gear inspired by Henry Cavill's Geralt portrayal. Yeah, clearly started that before things happened. <laughs> yeah, <though>. absolutely. <laughs> Well, I mean, I suppose it's it's more just going to be the uh, the costume that Cavill wears. I'll be interested to see whether Cavill's replacement also dons the same costume or whether they'll give him his own brand new look altogether. Yeah, well, I, I don't care. <laughs> still, <laughs> still sore about Cavill, Cavill. Cavill. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really am, man. I, I don't think that's a good move at all, but uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, you'll be able to dress up as your main man, Cavill, whenever you do get around to playing The Witcher 3. Well, I'll probably still carry on wearing my sign armor anyway. It doesn't make a difference. Will you be opting for the Netflix-style costumes for Siri, Yentris, Dandelion, and the Nilfgaardian soldiers? Uh, probably not, <laughs> if I'm honest with you, because... Uh, I have a feeling all of the original skins are going to look a ton better than any of these. Well, I mean, this, and this is the thing, like, the Siri in the Netflix series is a child, basically, whereas the one in The which a game is a little bit older or is portrayed as a little bit older anyway certainly in the character model the Yennefer Triss ones meh that's much for muchness I didn't I've got the alternate skins from the DLC already and I didn't use those so probably not going to change it Geralt you change your armor quite a lot anyway so I don't really see a difference there I think the mission could be fun it'll be interesting to see how they tie that in but skins don't excite me really no I know I think this is more you know if anything it's for the people that have been bought into the Witcher franchise through the Netflix sort of things and they exactly want to go that. back in and have a bit more of a sense of familiarity with the world that they are most familiar with. No, and for that, I think it's fair enough. So I don't think there's a great deal more to talk about on The Witcher 3. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, James? Uh, I don't think so, no. I mean, I'm looking at the list of some of the things you get in the free upgrades. Nothing too outrageous. It's essentially just a performance hike, isn't it, for the most part? And as you say, just sort of optimization for newer gen consoles. Exactly, and maybe a little bit of quality of life for some people, like the map filter to remove the flood of question mark symbols. Again, not something that ever bothered me in yeah, the game. No. I can understand how some people dislike a cluttered map like that. So fair enough. Nothing major i think we've covered the major talking points so yeah okay then so on to our final article of the day here we go here we go <laughs> so amongst all of the continuing controversy between microsoft's acquisition of activision blizzard jim ryan is continuing Ooh, yeah, to get involved <laughs> so in the latest turn of events during this controversy sony is a sort of Currently shitting on Battlefield a little bit during the controversy over the acquisition, Jim Ryan, PlayStation's owner, uh, declared to the CMA, which is the UK Competition and Markets Authority, that EA's Battlefield would be a poor substitute were it to lose access to the Call of Duty franchise. Uh, I assume that this is, uh, you know, particularly in reference to the performance of the latest 2042 title, which only sold 88.7 million copies, which sounds like <laughs> only, a yeah. large number, although when you compare it to Call of Duty's 400 million copies, is sold for its latest title it's a it's a pretty clear uh you know distinction there in terms of which game is currently selling more uh so you know it sounds like this is really getting messy now uh the kids are getting involved and they're getting hurt and insults are being thrown around battlefield's not selling much xbox doesn't have as many good exclusive titles as playstation you know they're just dragging yeah. into the mix now and jim ryan's basically openly admitting at this point that he doesn't have much faith in his studios so it's, i was gonna say i feel really bad mess. for i feel very bad for all of sony's third party studios Santa Monica's Sorry, like, we just did Ragnarok, you mother. Exactly. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that uh, your CEO doesn't think you're any good and that you can't match any of these. Um, so you know, feel for you there. This is just more of 
this guy being a massive knobhead, yeah. really, in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I can see his point and I can see why he'd want to keep Microsoft from getting the acquisition, right? Because what he's saying in terms of the numbers sold and probably in terms of the quality in, in a lot of respects, I disagree. I think Battlefield has some great qualities that Call of Duty hasn't been able to replicate. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Such as the destruction, although you have insinuated that the most recent one does have they really good destruction. They dip their toes in a little bit. It'll be interesting to see yeah. if anything comes of that. I'm doubtful. <laughs> but in terms of general scalability of it, yeah. it's it's not even a contest, yeah. right? But like, come on, man! This that's like saying that oh well, everyone plays FIFA, therefore Pro Evo is no good. And it's like, yes, FIFA sells more than Pro Evo, but a lot of people play Pro Evo and enjoy it. You can't just shit on the studios like that just because it ha- tries to make your argument better. It's just it's ridiculous to me. I don't really feel like there's a huge crossover now between those. I think that occasionally they try and do that, but it doesn't particularly work. I mean, clearly the numbers speak for themselves in terms of sales. Don't get me wrong. Call of Duty is by far the biggest FPS franchise there is. Like, I don't think anyone's arguing that. But to say that no one can come close is is pretty insulting, honestly. I think he's getting very delusional at this point, and he really is just trying to say anything he possibly can to try and win this case. The worst thing is it'll probably work, man, and that's what's going to be really upsetting. Are you now foreseeing potential for any sort of uh, continuing issues during this Microsoft's acquisition of the uh, Activision Blizzard Studios or are you still sort of fairly confident that this is all going to sort of go through eventually? I still think it'll go through but the longer this drags on and the more shit he throws the more chance there is that someone's going to listen to it. Yeah, well, and he knows that, that's why he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's so ridiculous. I mean, particularly when Microsoft have offered him a 10-year deal for COD. Allegedly! No comment which though, he's James, declined no comment. to comment on, which <laughs> He's declined. Exactly. He's being a little bitch. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like Phil Spencer is trying at least to extend the olive branch. Admittedly, he hasn't done brilliant either by saying, oh, yeah, well, Sony's exclusives are way better than ours anyway. That's not exactly what he said, but it's kind of what he said. Yeah, basically. And, yeah. And, and frankly, he's not wrong. No, no. Like, I would say that Xbox, Xbox really kind of slept on the previous gen in my eyes. Yeah. There's a few. I don't like, you know. Gears of War, although nah. Gears 5 apparently wasn't great. <laughs> they didn't, yeah. They um, murdered Forza. Halo. <laughs> Forza's excellent. Forza Halo stays. was excellent. Yeah. So, it's, you know, ultimately he's right. Things like God of War, Ghost of Tsushima, The Last of Us, these games are better exclusives. I mean, it's true. And I'm not saying Phil Spencer's perfect, so I don't know the bloke. He's probably, he's a businessman, so he's probably got a nasty streak in him too. But it sounds to me like Phil Spencer's really trying to be like, look, dude, I'm not going to take COD from you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Phil Spencer. <laughs> it, honestly, it can't, and I think I think I've insinuated this in previous episodes. It comes across like Jim Ryan's bitter that he didn't get the deal done. He's gutted that it's didn't get a risk. First. And instead of playing nice, which Xbox have tried to do constantly, by the way, even offering to say, look, we'll sell Games Pass on your, on your PlayStation. We want to share. It just seems like he's trying to be a little no, bitch because he's had these. You can't put Halo exactly. on the PlayStation. <laughs> Exactly. Just don't take my call of duty. Because he's had the exclusives this whole time, and now suddenly there's a risk that he might have something taken away from him, even though Xbox are saying they won't do it. Is I read earlier this week that uh, Xbox boss Phil Spencer to receive the Legend Award in New York in January. Uh, so he is honoured for his <laughs> phenomenal contributions to video gaming. <laughs> I'm just imagining... Nice. F- Jim Ryan just reading this and tearing up and shredding so the newspaper. Arms crossed like this. 
<laughs> I want to be a real game legend as well. <laughs> so the, just in case you were interested, the actual award that Phil Spencer's going to be awarded is the Andrew Yoon Legend Award. And it's given to people and organisations that have exhibited a significant, sustained body of work that shows exceptional artistic achievement and innovation. There you go. <laughs> Past recipients have included the likes of Reggie Fieldsane, Tim Schafer, Jade Raymond, Hideo Kojima, Todd Howard, Rockstar Games and others. <laughs> Todd, uh, Todd's so no, got no, one. No Jim Ryan. No Jim Ryan. I did have a quick scan, I didn't see. Yeah. We're done with the news for the day. Let's move on to the games challenge. A games challenge! Well, last week I set you the challenge of playing and completing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on Jedi Master Difficulty. You weren't too impressed, (laughs) I think it's fair to say. Um, But how did you get on with it, man? (laughs) Well, I think that that was actually a lot of that uh, due to my own sort of ignorance was the fact that I thought what you'd actually set me was like a really, really tough challenge there in terms of the difficulty. When you said Jedi Master, in my head, that's like the pinnacle of what a difficulty in a Star Wars game would be. You know, not knowing the fact that, in fact, there was a Jedi Grandmaster additional layer of difficulty on there. So my kind of reaction of incredulity was more down to the fact that I thought you'd set me, like, the hardest mode available in the game, (laughs) as opposed to uh, the fact that I, you know, wasn't looking forward to the game in any particular sense. In fact, I was quite looking forward to playing it at the time. It's a game that I'd started a few times and, you know, had a very brief experience with it and kind of liked what I'd seen so far. Yeah, well, you say at the time there, does that mean that you didn't actually end up looking forward to it at all? Uh, no, I would say that I was consistently looking forward to playing it, although I think that my kind of overall opinion of this game might surprise you a little bit. Uh, do tell. i got to say that, uh, well, do you know what? Contrary to how we normally do this, James, I'm just going to get this out of the way now. I failed the game challenge this week. Wow. I failed Whoa. it. Whoa. No. Okay. Did bad. Did bad. That That is genuinely surprising. I mean, a lot of this comes down to the fact that I didn't have a huge time to play it over the last weekend. So I was doing a lot of my playing over the evenings this week. And the fact that I was still sort of recovering at the time from feeling a little bit rough. So I probably didn't give it my all. I got to say, the rest of this comes down to the fact that I just didn't have a particularly good time playing this game, (laughs) I'll be honest. Oh, wow. I think that there's a lot of things that this game tries to do. And it borrows from other games such as God of War, Devil May Cry, Dark Souls, obviously, in terms of the bonfires and things like that. I'm thinking more sort of God of War in terms of the combat uh, and Devil May Cry again in, in terms of the combat there. And probably Dark Souls a little bit in terms of the combat. Yeah, absolutely. Not quite, but a little bit. Even Sekiro in the sense that you're sort of essentially draining a poise bar that's visible to you and you need to then, you'll essentially unlock what's the equivalent of a death blow animation, but there's like three yeah. of them in the game for the humanoids and then separate ones for yeah. each of the creatures. So it was a game that I felt like took all of those elements, incorporated them, and a lot of the time I was scratching my head as to why they would incorporate them other than the fact that they're just popular elements in other games. And I think that's kind of where the crux of my opinion comes on this game, is that this game is substance over any kind of style or artistic merit in a lot of ways. Okay, that's interesting, man. I, I thought you'd have liked it, I've got to say. So I, did I. I. Honestly, I was I was really prepared to have a great time with this game. Yeah, I mean, because the story... I mean, this is my opinion, obviously, but the story's great. I thought that the combat, whilst maybe a little repetitive, it still works, it still flows nicely. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely a little 
you're shocked, yeah. I think that overall, I would say that this isn't a bad game. I think that I'm perhaps judging this quite harshly based on the fact that this is a game made by a very large company with a very high budget. And a good pedigree, we must say, with Respawn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that kind of my issue there kind of comes back to the fact that, yeah, if you chuck a load of money at a game, no sh- it's gonna have great graphics no it's gonna like be able to incorporate a lot of different design elements and things like that into a game of course it's gonna be able to do all of those things right if you chuck enough money at it but i think that there's a lot of things that this game could have done better and i think some of them are kind of more minor things just in terms of the animations and things like that the procedural animation system that this game attempted to use where essentially none of your animations are set and they're all kind of generated on the fly so when you go to grab a ledge he kind of does a very specific thing with his arm but then it also moves to accommodate where the ledge is and in a lot of ways that sounds very cool but what it tends to result in is a very weird gangly looking character that at all times I'm watching him and thinking he is sprinting really weird or it's just so easy to like wiggle the stick and make him just look like an absolute madman you know in games when you can spin a movement stick round and just make them do all sorts of stupid sh- yeah, yeah. In this game, you just feel like a weird sack of jelly moving around. And when you go from sprinting to doing a quick step, it just looks quite ridiculous a lot of the time. And I found that very off-putting in the game. It kind of feels like it lacks quite a lot of polish there. And there was never a point in the game where I was thinking, oh, this actually looks like a good free-running section sort of thing. Oh, wow. I never noticed much of that at all. I, I noticed that he runs funny, I'll give you that. But yeah, that was never something that came into my mind when I was playing it. Like I said, I'm, I'm having to be quite picky here because this is a kind of it's a game where of course it does a lot of things right but I think that in terms of the scope of the game they could have broadened the horizons a little bit to include perhaps some sort of dark side option at least although this is a very story driven experience it's not really what they set out to do but I do think that there's always a slight failure there in my mind at least when a Star Wars game doesn't entertain the idea of some sort of morality choice. I agree with you in general because things like KOTOR they do incorporate a morality system and you can go dark or light so it'll be neutral and this does force you down the path of the light side you don't have a choice very much telling a story aren't they cal's story which is the name of the jedi that you play as exactly it's essentially i think it's i think it's canon i think it's meant to be canon so it sort of tells the story i mean because you didn't get to the end so i can't talk to you about the end yeah (laughs) but you see some stuff at the end that is like oh that makes sense i think as well uh there were some things just in terms of quality of life things about the game that i just wish it had that it was sadly lacking in like for instance just an option to be able to look at something a bit more closely it seemed like a really odd thing to not include in the game that I couldn't click the right stick and just zoom in on something the camera was fixed behind me and due to the lack of any sort of gun or weapon that I could fire which would normally give you that zoomed in look there was no button in place of that or even an item that I could use to just get a closer look at things which it was I just felt was a shame in terms of the graphics on this game as I've mentioned are very nice and some of the environments and things you want to take a closer look at but you just weren't permitted and that to me just seems like a sort of a basic thing that you would have thought to accommodate in a game where you were actually thinking I want people to look at this detail that I've created rather than taking it for granted yeah that's a fair comment too I think there's certain things that you can do it with but you probably wouldn't have experienced in the parameters of the challenge I set you. Mm. You can collect seeds, for example, from all the planets. Mm, yeah, you put them in like right. the little yeah. vegetation-y tank on your you ship and vivarium. you can watch them grow. Vivarium, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for, not vegetation tank. <laughs> um, but you can look at them when they've grown and you can actually look at the plants more closely and that gives you an idea of sort of what the native flora is like mm, mm. on the planets. But yeah, no, that's fair that 
you know, apart from the odd item you pick up with four seconds that you might be able to look at a bit closer, which again you probably didn't engage much with. Cause it no, I did. There was there was challenge. a fair bit of that as well. I was reading some of the sort of the background story, and I did read a fair few of the not so much item descriptions, but the the kind of the story that you get along with the four seco. Uh, I guess just for anyone that hasn't played this game as well, probably important. Cal Kestis has some sort of force empathy or something like that, where he can touch objects and feel historic actions that have happened and kind of get a sense of events that happened in the past if they attach themselves to a physical object yeah he feels the memories of the force hence why they're called force echoes and yeah it's typically when something atrocious has happened somewhere or if there's a high emotion attached to it typically fear in a lot of them but also some love kicking about (laughs) so um and i noticed that also a lot of the well in fact all of the items that you pick up in the game the special items that you go for they're entirely aesthetic items that just relate to your lightsaber or something thing for your ship or for your robot that you have with you bd1 or your poncho yeah or your poncho that's right and i think that that was kind of a bit of a shame there because for me that to me means that i wouldn't really feel motivated to go back and 100 this game because i'm not really that bothered about getting all of the aesthetics whereas if this game had something more like a developed currency system or a crafting system or something with it i think that that would have actually made me feel like i wanted to explore a bit wider because instead of just getting a new color for my poncho I would be getting something that's actually useful to me in the game. That I 100% agree with. I think they could have done a lot more with the collectibles and things you find. The lightsaber customization was cool, a nice touch, but in all honesty, I found the bits that I wanted for my lightsaber early doors and I didn't change it much. So I will say, I did get quite far in this game. I was like right at the last bit. I was, I'd beaten the ninth sister and I was on my way to finishing that planet. I think I was literally about chapter six. I've just got maybe maybe a couple hours of game left to play. You know, you had a, you had a, a nice chunk it would probably have been an evening's work right right because you had you would have had to go back because if you just fought the ninth sister you didn't fight beardy roby guy who you met on the evil planet no i haven't fought him yet no no so you fight him uh, yeah i kind of suspected that he's very clearly from the dark side isn't he he's, he's wearing the same clothes as the emperor <laughs> <laughs> but, and then you get one more planet after that which is then the final bit so you weren't a million miles off i, w- I would have got the feeling that if i had more time today i would have uh, i would have been able to get this done sort of thing just based yeah. on on looking at sort of where i'd got to in the storyline sounds like you didn't have the inspiration to do so though man which is i think that was honestly a lot of it was it a slog it was a slog yeah it was absolutely a slog I found myself quite bored a lot of the time because even down to the things like a lot of the upgrades and things that you got in the game they weren't particularly game changers most of them equated to oh now you can just go down this path because you would either upgrade BB with a new item or you got the skill that just made you able to traverse that path now so again it was kind of a game where you didn't feel particularly stronger or better as you were going it was more like you've just unlocked the equivalent of a key card to travel a new route sort of thing it was only towards the the very end of the game around the time that i actually beat the ninth sister one of the main bosses in the game then we'll talk about how you found that in a sec as well but. yeah the, the the free running then started to become more interesting because at least at that point then you were doing a combination of wall running pulling the ropes towards you with the force that kind of added a bit more interest to the game, but it just felt like it came so late that for the most of the time during the traversal, very bored, shimming across objects is something we've all done a hundred times in other games. Yeah. It, you know, it borrows a lot from Uncharted. And if you've played those games, again, you start to get the sense of it looks like you're under absolute peril, but as long as you just progress and traverse the level at a normal pace, nothing ever bad happens to you. And that kind of loses its appeal over time as well, I find. Yeah, I think that's a very, very fair criticism of the game. There's a 
lot of traversal, a lot of nothing, if that makes sense. A lot of those hidden loading screens where you're shimmying through. There's just so many kind yeah. of video game modern staples that are included in this that they've borrowed. Yeah. Although I did appreciate that, I've got to say. They were very similar, the animations, but I did appreciate how you weren't cutting to a loading screen and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're pretty nice. kind of standard ways of doing it. And they did try and vary up those animations as well, given the fact that he was always shimmying through stuff. There were various different ones yeah. that he could do. There was also quite a lack of animation difference in terms of I was quite disappointed that each animal only had kind of one finisher execution and then there was maybe two yeah. or three for the humanoids. I think that there was, you know, a lot more that could have gone in there. I think some of this was down to the fact that obviously it's a Star Wars game and as you've mentioned, it's canonical as well. So they try and sort of keep this as PG-13 as possible. Yeah. So unfortunately, dismemberment and things like that aren't really a particularly, uh, you know, something that they focus in on and they even really... That would like have made a hell of a movies. difference though, eh? Yeah, and it just felt slightly odd because you could obviously chop off the arms of creatures and things like that. But when it came to the people, it was just felt very harmless, your lightsaber. It felt like you were whacking them with a glowing stick more than anything. Yeah, no, that that is something I found with the game, I've got to say. If I'm hitting a stormtrooper in the head with my lightsaber, I expect it to do a little bit more than just leave a little graze. <laughs> It was something that I think that they did a better job of doing in the Force Unleashed titles, at least in the second one, because that had very light dismemberment, where just occasionally the last hit in your combo, the killing blow, would take off an arm or something like that. And it didn't happen for every enemy, but it was just occasionally so often you would have that happen, which just it honestly added a lot. But again, under the context of they were trying to keep this game fairly child-friendly. Uh, I mean, even the storyline, it has a lot of Star Wars charm to it quite early on. You can very much tell that they've studied the movies and they were working on keeping a lot of the transitions the same even the way that it's written and just kind of like Cal Kestis's character and all he's he's very a, a child friendly character isn't he sort of thing they don't even commit to uh, and we're going back again to talking about the ninth sister but during that segment she obviously guns down the bird just before you fight her and they don't even commit to the bird dying it's like after you've beaten her the bird's like oh I'm back and it's like oh I thought you were dead and it's like yeah it just took a ship laser to the neck yeah that's death yeah. right but no because that bird's but it's ancient <laughs> it's been alive longer than everything it's lived longer than the forests of kashik it's been alive see that's the thing is no but it's a very very fair point and then you don't I did, I did think that too they don't even commit to you actually executing the villain either because the death blow is you just kick her away and she falls down you don't even see her hit the floor it's like well she could easily come back in the next game i don't know if that's something oh, she missed. doesn't know she survives doesn't she i think that's the whole thing oh is that it well you, don't you see her get away? No. Or have you, I made that up? You, so once you've defeated her, you like kick her off the ledge or something like that. He's basically assumed that he's beat her. So unless they are just using that as a device for her to come back later, which may be a thing, again, because I haven't completed the game, they didn't even commit to her like, you know, a cool Darth Maul style slice in half or even a stab. She just... Yeah, but he survives. So. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they, they really don't commit <laughs> to killing people in these uh, in these games and movies, do they? Even the Empress survived, <laughs> yeah, really. That's true. A little bit. I mean, you know, so yeah, that's probably fair. The only one that... Uh, who died for real? Boba Fett died for real. Qui-Gon Jinn. Mace Windu died for real. Yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn. Obi-Wan died. I mean, again, they still came back as ghosts. And to be fair, even when Obi-Wan dies, he just disappears, doesn't he? They're pretty functional ghosts when they do come back as well. I mean, didn't Obi-Wan come back? Didn't they add him back in at the as end? As a ghost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as a ghost, yeah. Good old Alec, Alec Guinness comes back at the end. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I hope that they've learned a lot of lessons from this one for the next game. I wouldn't say my experience of this game takes away any kind of 
excitement that I do have for the follow-up game. I just hope that they build on this in pretty much every direction just to develop this into a game that can rival something like God of War or uh, or Dark Souls or something like that, just in terms of the amount of detail that they've actually put into the game. I don't think it gets near Dark Souls for that respect, for the Probably reasons not. you just outlined. It's a game more aimed at children, so you're not going to get a lot of the cool stuff and the combat and things like that. I think story-wise, it was excellent. It's a very good little Star Wars story if you're into Star Wars. Which, which yes, it's, it's a good Star Wars story. Yeah, But I, I don't disagree with any of your points, though. I think they're all pretty valid. Some of it I maybe didn't notice as much because it sounds to me like I enjoyed the game a lot more than you have, which is a shame because I... As I said, I truly thought that you were going to enjoy this one. If I hadn't played a lot of better games that it had borrowed elements from, I would have liked this game a lot more, I think. And like I said, I, I just purely under that, I was viewing this with a more critical eye. Yeah, and, and I can't fault you for that because I think that's absolutely fair. And I think if I do put it up against the likes of God of War now that I've played God of War, because obviously when I played this, I played it twice and I hadn't played God of War at the time. Do I see the comparison there and think, ah, do you know what Star Wars could have done a lot better given what God of War was able to do? Yeah, I probably see that more now. Yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely still quite shocked that you... <laughs> didn't enjoy it quite so much i think that there is definitely points where the game shines and now i think is where it's a good time to move on to talking about the ninth sister well before you do did you enjoy any of the other sort of bigger boss fights up to that point that's sort of the main boss fight i suppose but you have the uh the at that you fight so i found them all quite well the chicken walker for anyone that's uh, <laughs> yeah uninitiated into, into, the, into the real yeah. names <laughs> I found those fights, they were lacking the impact that I wanted them to have, I think is, is the thing that I can say. is It was a boss fight because it had a big health bar, but it was easy enough that it didn't feel like it deserved one. It felt like it was a mini boss. And, yeah, and there's a mob of it later as well. Yeah, it it, it kind of feels like, uh, and I, again, I know that Souls do this, when they, you know, they inject sort of someone in that's a boss and then it becomes a, a mob later Capra on. Demon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Taurus Demon, to be fair. But I think a lot of these kind of things, it's, it's just more of a case that the moves that they had weren't particularly varied you can learn them very quickly and beat them quite easily sort of thing yeah the mines were pretty annoying but yeah oh uh, yes yeah the the electric mines that they have um i'm just trying to think of any other bosses i mean i know that that frog that i talked about in the previous <laughs> one i beat the first time on the planet is it called like zligo or something it's got a weird like alien yeah. name to it and and yeah so he wasn't very much of a challenge either which was a big relief actually doing that and finding out that oh thank god this is isn't the difficulty that I thought it was when I, when I picked it up. Well, it sounds to me like if I had set you Grandmaster, you would have put it down pretty quickly, obviously, because yeah. you weren't enjoying it and it would have been that bit and harder. And it would have been harder, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, in terms of the boss fights, I didn't find many of them particularly memorable. Um, That's, again, a very fair criticism. I would have preferred some more. It seemed like there were certain points in the game, because I know that you can get kidnapped to the prison by the bounty hunter, and I had run into a couple more bounty hunters during it. I assume that that's what they were yeah. anyway. I would have liked to have seen more of that going on. They seemed kind of a bit far and few between, but maybe that was perhaps because I was speeding through the game as opposed to taking my time. I think there is an element of that, because you have like three or four encounters with random bounty hunters. Sometimes you get one-on-one, one, sometimes you get a two-on-one. Yeah, I had a two-on-one in my most recent encounter. And the only other one I could can remember of note is um there's like a creature that you fight in a cave somewhere i think it's on kashik as well before you get to the ninth sister you're sort of i think it's when you're looking for the the climby shoes that allow you to climb the different surface i think you have to beat a creature 
in its lair and then you find the corpse with the climbing shoes on it. Ah, so I didn't get those climbing shoes. So that may have been a boss fight. Oh, did you start. not? No, 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 no. I, I, play, I reckon there is so much of this game that you can explore outside of the main story mission, but because I was beelining the campaign for the most part, I definitely recall the surface that you're talking about. Like I, I saw that surface today and he says I need to get something for it and I must have stopped yeah. literally just before you unlock it. I swear that was before the ninth sister though. Maybe I'm just misremembering. I may well have run into the surface that I couldn't traverse before the Ninth Sister, but I beat her and then was yet to get it still. So I'd encountered what I needed to do, I just hadn't found the tool to, to traverse it yet. Oh, fair. Well, I mean, that, that says a lot, really, that that's the only other boss I can remember, apart from Triller, the final boss. But Yeah, yeah. So on to the Ninth Sister boss battle. That was actually quite a decent boss battle that gave me say, a fair challenge as well. Um, it was definitely the most enjoyable, and it was the closest I came to thinking, ah, uh, you know, actually, this get you know the combat in this game isn't. It's not that I found it unsatisfying or the fact that I found it too difficult. If anything, it was just the fact that it still seemed that even at that difficulty, the parry window was very, very wide. Uh, did you do you think it's fair to say that it's it's clunky in a smooth way? As in, there's nothing clunky about the combat itself, but there's a slight clunky feel about it. Yeah, I yes, I would agree because that. that's kind of how I felt it particularly being a Souls veteran and things like that, you, where you expect, and now Sekiro as well, but you now expect precision when you parry and things like that. And yeah. this is just a bit like, it was like a step and then it happens rather than straight away. And I don't know for certain, but I feel like some of the procedural animation stuff is coming into play during that combat, which does make some of those timings slightly more unpredictable. Perfectly possible, man. I must admit, I didn't know about the procedural animations thing, so. I would highly recommend for anyone that hasn't, and you too, James, Go and watch the Donkey video after this just to see, because obviously, <laughs> as you can imagine, Donkey has an amazing time with the yeah. stupid that this game allows you to do. <laughs> I think I'm actually genuinely going to do that because that I can imagine being very it's, it's hilarious. And it's interesting. I, I said on last week's pod that there was maybe two fights that I can see you having a problem with and one of them you probably won't. That was the reference to the Ninth Sister. Mm, mm. The Ninth Sister and the final boss battle thriller were the only fights that I could see you having an issue with because mm. not to give too much away, but evil beardy bloke on the evil planet, piss easy. Yeah, okay. But honest, uh, honestly, it, it's, it's ridiculous how easy it is. Yeah, final boss... Had some annoying moves in it and ninth sister as you say is the first sort of it's going to sound disrespectful and i don't necessarily mean it to but it's the first good fight yeah it is the first good fight where you're actually yeah. fighting someone with a lightsaber that actually makes you think and use all of your mechanics which is dodging yeah. blocking rolling all of those things you have to do in that boss fight to avoid certain attacks. And yeah, and she kind of has a phase two as well. Yes, ex well, yeah, absolutely. She, yeah. she fully does have a phase two. The second lightsaber yeah. comes out, and by that point, you exactly. also have your second lightsaber, Darth Maul style so yeah. yeah, badass. And I did really like that. The the cool things about this game came far too late, in my opinion, and and that's coming from someone who beelined the storyline sort of thing instead <laughs> of just exploring, but like the fact that your final ability in this game is a double jump. That should have been upgrade number two but the fact is is that actually there really isn't anything better in this game other than a double jump as i briefly mentioned before a lot of the upgrades that you get are just essentially door unlockers i mean literally it's double jump there's 
the extra climby shoes, which you didn't get. And the rest of them uh, are kind of very basic force abilities, pushing, pulling, freezing, and uh, that's about it. You don't even have like a, a proper telekinesis in the game, which some Star Wars games do indulge. No, I don't think you do. The, the only other cool things you get is the double-bladed lightsaber, and then later on you get two mini lightsabers, and you can have one Oh, okay, time. I like that. I haven't seen the two mini lightsabers. That's interesting. No, because that that is literally... You, you complete the game, and then you get it. <laughs> no, well, the, the, the story beat in it is, is that you're lightsaber gets destroyed and it gets cut in half right ah okay and you okay. have to go to a, a planet where you find a new lightsaber crystal to make a new lightsaber right but it breaks but then so you put it in two halves of a lightsaber to get two okay lightsaber, and you can then connect it together to have a single blade a double blade or you can split them but you but the point you've made there where all of the cool shit comes right at the end of the game that is that mm. you get that and you maybe have it for two acts let's say at most and one of the acts is sort of go back to bogano and do some shit. kill so that frog if you haven't done it already well yeah but it's like you go back there and you have to i can't even and this is the thing i can't even really remember what you have to do <laughs> like the story is great but it's uh this game is fairly forget i mean i had a lot of fun with it but it is fairly forgettable i've completed it twice and one of them i literally did it in two days because you can just bosh this game out yeah yeah this game has a lot of potential in it, and there is a lot of good things to say about them. They're just very predictable things to say. I don't really want to get into how great the graphics are. It's it's a nice looking game. They had a lot of money. It's a very nice it. looking game, but you'd ex- exactly, but you'd expect it to. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't push the boat on anything. I think it's fair to say. One hundred percent. Yeah, very and, true. And that's that's probably it's a very fair criticism of it. But again. It didn't take away from my enjoyment of playing it at the time, but then looking back on it, it doesn't rank as one of my favourite games of all time. Mm, and yeah. it should do, because it's essentially a Star Wars Souls-like, and they're yeah, absolutely. two on of paper, my favourite things amazing. mushed together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, as well, I was a little bit disappointed that BD1 didn't feature more heavily in terms of combat and things like that. Again, he yeah. is very much your door unlocker, whereas I would have liked him to have played a more Atreus-style role, where uh, at least in the Battlefront title, when you play through the campaign, you can actually control a robot that will go over and stun people. And I think, hey, why the hell not? Why can't you just press down on the D-pad while you're fighting someone to send BB off to zap someone to freeze them or something like that? These are abilities yeah. that I'm fairly certain are going to appear in the next game. I'm like, like I'm thinking of stuff that should really appear in the next game. If they're not in there, I'll be very surprised. I wouldn't get your hopes up too high, mate. <laughs> yeah. But like, whereas R2-D2 has a little stun gun. Right, like exactly. If you pressed up on the D-pad to do that. BB's right, got yeah. it as well. So why doesn't BD1? I think that they could have absolutely used him more in the combat um, as well. And actually, I've got to say, out of all the characters in the game, I liked BD1 the most. Uh, and I think that's not to say... Because he doesn't say anything. <laughs> he doesn't say... Well, it's, it's not so much that. He has a hell of a lot of personality for someone that just He's beat. He's cute, right? And as people are very familiar with R2-D2, BB-8, all of them, they manage to pack in so much personality just into yeah. the sort of little chirps and beeps that they do. And BD-1's no different, it is great. Yeah, they they absolutely nail BD-1. And I feel like, it's not to say that Cow is an unlikable character, I feel like he kind of, he does verge on being too cocky at times, and too kind of sure of himself, and then at other times, like, he kind of sinks back into being a pretty relatable, normal character in there. Some quite nice moments between him and uh, some of the other characters, but for the most part, he's fairly bland. 
that's what but I, I was going to say. To yeah, I think he is supposed to represent the sort of the character that you put your own impression onto, sort of thing. And and that's no disrespect to the uh, the mocap and dialogue performance of the actor who portrayed Cal. It's more no, just I thought to that say. Was excellent, actually. I think it's just more of a and it's an implementation thing and it's an intentional thing in terms of the character. It was more sort of the uncanny valley that I was constantly getting with Cal because he is whenever he speaks, he's kind of doing the appropriate facial expressions, but then the morph back into neutral facial expressions was just so distinctive from when he was speaking that his neutral animations just looked so weird in combination when he was speaking to someone on the radio who'd be having this fleshed out conversation and then just go back to this kind of dead stare just doing kind of random things like his face twitching and reacting to the environment it was a case of attempting nice details that you do see in a lot of modern games like God of War like Last of Us and things like that where players gently react to the environment and don't just look like an absolute kind of expressionless being all of the time no that's fair I mean Speaking of bad animations, though, the one that pissed me off was, you know, when you open a chest, yeah. BD1 jumps in and sort of ruffles around yeah. a bit, comes back out and gives you an item. Underwater, you get all the same noises and stuff, but there's just nothing happening. Yeah, I know what you mean. I remember that, that, seeing that. That pissed me off. Like, literally, BD just chills, doesn't even go in the box, and it just goes, beep, 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 rustles about, but then you just get sh- that, that was poorly done. I'd only uh, encountered that twice, mostly because, again, because I knew that these were aesthetic items. I would see a chest underwater and be like, I just can't be f- to go down there. It's just going to take a few a few yeah. minutes to do that. I just can't be bothered. And the chests where you get stuff that's good, like the extra health items, they look distinct. They're very distinctive. And they're yeah. also laid in a place where you're going to find them, sort of thing. Well, not all of them, but yes. You have to really go exploring for some of them. Trust oh me. really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I don't think I upgraded my health once in the game because I wasn't just wasn't looking for them. Um, but I did find two. But you need three, don't you, to get the upgrade? I only found two. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean more. I mean the ones for more stim packs rather than the ones where you find three and you get more health, or find three and you get more force. Yeah. You find like these big old yellow chests that are clearly something special and you get an extra stim pack that BD can give you. So my maximum that I had at any time was three. I never uh, got past that. kind of all you need, really. Yeah. I think I ended up with six or seven. It's nice, but you don't need it. I definitely wasn't, like, getting in between any one of the checkpoints and thinking, damn, I wish I had an extra one sort of thing. I was able to typically get to the next checkpoint before I ran out. Yeah, it's more if you're, like, hardcore exploring and you don't... Don't want to keep stopping off. Checkpoints, then you need to have a few more, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and we've mentioned the storyline a couple of times, so I suppose we should just go into a little bit more detail about that. Although i got to say, I wasn't sort of following it super, super strongly. I was bothering to watch the cutscenes, but I can't well, that's, say that's I was quite good for you. extremely engaged. <laughs> no, typically, I mean, I will watch a cutscene if, uh, if it's something that I feel like it's worth watching sort of thing. But yeah. I mean, typically on some of these challenges, it just feels like if it's a long old RPG, it's a real setback to, uh, <laughs> to like, have to sit through all of the dialogue you can kind of skip it as you go a little bit no i get that but this was so essentially the story is that you are cal Kestis, uh you are a survivor of the jedi purge and you've ended up on a junker planet and you're kind of laying low on there avoiding the empire and just trying to live your life and you're cut off from the force as well yeah that's right that's right and so at that point you're kind of basically not using the force very much at all when you're just laying low avoiding the empire you befriend a guy called sully i think it is on the planet i think it's sully anyway uh, or sal one of those yeah Yeah. Uh, essentially you're just kind of working as junkers breaking apart old ships from the war and using them for scrap for the empire eventually uh you are eventually you encounter a series of events which puts your friend's life at risks and forces you to use the force to save him you slow him down to sort of lessen his impact and at that point you're then detected by the empire they land they predictably kill your mates and then during an encounter with 
the second sister, who is kind of the main inquisitor, or one of the main inquisitors anyway, for the Empire. You were then rescued by a ship captain called Seal, I think it is? or She's called Seer. Seer, yeah. You're then rescued by an ex-Jedi uh, and the captain of a ship. They begin to sort of set you on this path where you're trying to uncover some sort of secret that the Empire is also searching for, uh, essentially resulting in you're looking for this sort of element called Astrium, which is hidden away by an ancient alien race. And there's a Jedi that you're sort of following in his footsteps to kind of uncover the mysteries there. So, you know, uh, kind of fairly standard it's what you can expect. Initially, he tells you to go to three different planets and find three different artifacts and bring them all together. A lot of video game standardized kind of stuff. Fetch quests, yeah. And then it all sort of culminates between you sort of avenging uh, your friends from the initial Junker planet, fighting the Inquisitors. And at that point, I'm not really sure what happens after that because uh, I didn't progress much beyond that. That is a very, very TLDR description of the yeah, story, but yeah. yes. Extremely slim right. down, yeah. Uh, the, the missing parts there is that it turns out that the second sister, is, uh, who's called Trilla, is Seer's old apprentice. Padawan, yeah, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, Padawan, yeah, you're right. And uh, basically she gets turned to the dark side because she thinks that Seer's abandoned her, which she kind of did. Kind of did, not, yeah. But I mean, she was in, tortured like, and everything else, though. But not in a dickhead way, but like she kind of did. Seer cut herself off from the Force. Bunch of shenanigans happen. Seer then comes back to the force again at the end a little bit and helps you out in one of the missions. The final boss is Triller, and uh, then some shenanigans happens at the end. Do you care about spoilers? Not really, no. Basically, when you beat the final boss, Darth Vader then comes out and like you can't fight him. You have to run away. And he starts wrecking the place, like tearing up the floor and stuff it's, it's awesome that's cool that does sound like yeah. a cool moment and actually yeah. earlier on in the game Sia does mention the person that was torturing her was like this super evil dark guy and I was like that's for sure Darth Vader yeah, yeah so. just knew that because I knew where the game was kind of coming it's like after the Clone Wars before the original yeah that's it three, it's, between, it? it's yeah. between the Clone Wars and A New Hope I think it's sort of around the time of Rogue One and and then just for your benefit this doesn't necessarily mean to make the edit but Matey who's um, the evil looking guy who you fight that he was on the evil planet palpatine rip off yeah he's like an ex-jedi who is sort of he went to that planet that he's on and like the natives have their own sort of magic and powers mm. and he basically learned the shit off them but then wipes them all out typical bad guy shit. yeah like he, it's actually a really cool character arc but you see so little of him and, and the fight's crap because like really, you have one of the natives like you might have met her she like tells you to fuck off from the planet like in a red robe yes one of the night sisters or yeah. something right yeah yeah, yeah night sisters actually, she actually ends up joining you and uh, uh, okay. she helps you out in that bus it's cool but it's really easy I think I'm pretty much talked out about the game, man. I would say that, uh, you know, I had a pretty decent time with it. There were definitely moments where <laughs> I... sure about that? It doesn't sound like you did. <laughs> a pretty decent time. That's me being slightly generous, I would say. Was, there was a lot of bits where I was bored. There were a lot of bits where I was just rushing to get through. I did enjoy the combat at the core of it. I feel like the game just didn't provide you with enough opportunities to truly take advantage of it and enjoy it. I got abilities that I had the opportunity to use, like, once. Like, the fact that you can get BD one to hack things it was just so useless that yeah no you know. that's so i did that for an achievement yeah didn't use it for anything otherwise yeah well i'm sorry to hear that man I, I truly thought that you'd at least have as much fun with it as i did i mean you're not wrong with anything you've said i think they're all fair criticisms i think the thing that you said that really hits the nail on the head is they could have done so much more with it 
Mm, like it yeah. had the potential to be a lot better and i can't fault you for that opinion i think that's absolutely fair so i'm sorry you didn't enjoy it man uh, hopefully you won't be out for revenge with uh, what you <laughs> give me this week with all of that said though james i think it's time to move on to the second part of the challenge this week which is the bit where i challenge you for the next week with the chance to open up a two point lead which two i think would be the lead. first time ever, ever? I, don't think, I don't think it's so, ever yeah. been more than one point in it has there we've pretty much stayed neck and neck for the most part and occasionally pipping each other here and there yeah. Uh, yeah. So this week, James, my challenge to you is to, and I'm busting out the big guns this week, complete Metal Gear Solid 1 on normal difficulty, no internet guides, all cutscenes, all Kodak calls, mother. <laughs> so I have looked into this. I've watched the PlayStation 1 full play with all of the cutscenes and Kodak calls, just so you can get the true lore of this game. They did it in 12 hours. So I thought that's actually fine. So you've got about 12 hours from start to finish, provided you do the game fairly cleanly. Oh, well, color me intrigued, man. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how I get on. The all Codex calls thing is a bit interesting because I know there's a lot of stuff like that in the game. There's a lot of combos. So I, I figure that I'm actually probably not going to be playing much game it's going to be a lot more reading watching stuff doing a little bit of game bit more of that i'm intrigued obviously we've spoken about this game a lot you, i know you're very passionate about it i know that the story is going to confuse the hell out of me but that's fine it's a kojima game yeah see how i get on Okay, James, I think that's the challenge section over. With all of that said, I think it's time to draw a close to this week's podcast. I learned this week that I may be overly passionate about Pokemon and might be defending something that's indefensible, but we'll see. No shit. I'm really looking forward to hearing about your opinions on that. I really am. We'll see, man. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll let you know in the new year, probably. <laughs> You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. Or you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore tpm once again a very special thank you to all of the listeners we very much appreciate your support we'll see you next week take care everyone bye bye